Now we're awake. <laughs>
This is my scroll I made. We're going to read about that now in Revelation chapter 5. And uh, I'm just going to read a few elements of that chapter 5. And, um, but I, I would encourage you to use the Pew Bibles or use your smart devices to follow along. We'll be talking about Revelation chapter 4 and 5 today. So, chapter 5, verses 1 through 4 first. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found worthy to open the scroll. Then skipping down to verse 11. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne, and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and on earth and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven, on earth and under the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures then said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. Please sing this choral response with me. Come Holy Ghost our souls inspire enlighten with celestial fire thou the anointing spirit are who does thy holy gifts impart let us pray impart your holy gifts on us during this moment that we might see ourselves in this message and your message of hope for all of us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. He is worthy. We've been doing this series called The Disciple Whom Jesus Loved, which of course is John the Apostle, and we've been studying the writings of John, first in his gospel, then one of his epistles, and then we started Revelation, which was also written by the Apostle, we know as well, a couple of weeks ago. And so let me recall just a little bit of those first few chapters in Revelation we talked about as a setup for today's message. 
So John the Apostle, he's a prisoner on that island of Patmos, which is a little prisoner colony off the coast of modern-day Turkey, and he experiences these elaborate visions, these incredible visions. They're wonderful. They're amazing. They're a little scary sometimes. And these visions are the basis for this whole book of Revelation. And he receives these visions on what he calls the Lord's Day. We call that Sunday. That's what the early church started calling Sunday, the Lord's Day. And he says he was in the Spirit, and he said these visions were a gift from God to him. And so on these Sundays where we've been studying Revelation this most mysterious book in the Bible, <laughs> this most misunderstood, misinterpreted book in the Bible, I would suggest. Can we now make some sense out of this kaleidoscope of visions that John is telling us about? Can we make some sense out of those amazing images? Can we find something of the gospel of Jesus Christ within these visions and images and that message of hope that all apocalypses are intended to convey, I believe we can. So those first three chapters, we talked about the exalted Jesus Christ, the Alpha and the Omega, which is like the I am that I am, the before the beginning of time, and the eternal one, Jesus Christ. We talked about how exalted he was. And then we talked about his messages to those seven churches for the last couple of weeks. Those were tough messages, I know. Christ warns those churches and warns all of us not to be sleepy. Not to be sleepy. Not to be lukewarm in our faith. And certainly not to be caught up in sin and apostasy and false prophets and those kind of things. But he also gives a message of encouragement, particularly to that church at Philadelphia. He says, I've found nothing in your works against you, because you are faithful. Despite the incredible persecution you've been under, you have been faithful. And so that's a message for all of us. And so today, as we move into chapters 4 and 5, John is summoned up to heaven. <laughs> There's people who, who have written lots of books about that, you know, they've supposedly died and seen heaven and come back. I don't put a lot of faith in those books, to be very honest with you. I don't think God makes mistakes. <laughs> but in this vision, John is called up to get a view of heaven. Sometimes this is called the, the throne room, to get a vision of the throne room where God sits on the throne. And he sees this incredible throne with 24 elders and four living creatures, amazing creatures. And I'll resist the temptation to comment on every one of those symbols and things in chapter 4 and 5, otherwise this sermon would take forever. But I'm reserving the, the focus just on what Jesus told us and what John is telling us through this revelation about why Jesus is worthy 
and capable of understanding this scroll that nobody else could open and nobody else could understand. So chapter 4 is early in this vision. He's called up to heaven. He sees this door standing wide open, and a voice calls to him and says, Come on in. Imagine that. Imagine that if God spoke to you and said, Come on in, be it a dream or when you're awake. You'd probably think you were dead, wouldn't you? I had a dream like that once a few years ago. I, I dreamed I was in the next world, the kingdom of God, if you will, and, and I didn't write a book of Revelation about it, but <laughs> I did write a song about it because it was so surprising and vivid and real and different than I had imagined. Jesus... They've got you so organized that if you ever take them by surprise, they'll call you crazy, demonic, insane if you ever come with a different name. <laughs> that was my experience. It was a dream. It was probably just a dream. It's probably just a dream. But John is called up to this heavenly throne room. And as I describe this throne room to you, you, you might want to just close your eyes and imagine it because there are no words to describe this. I'm convinced there's no words that John could have written down to describe this incredible vision he's seeing. It's okay if you just close your eyes. I won't think you're sleeping. <laughs> and so he's called up to this throne room. And at the center of this throne room, well, it's a throne and it's surrounded by a rainbow. We sang about that in the song just now. And there's someone sitting on the throne, we presume God. And this someone looks like two precious stones, like describes it as a ruby and a jasper stone. Perhaps there was brilliant colors like those stones of amber and flames. And from this throne comes these incredible sights and sounds like I can't imagine, describes it in words as being like bolts of thunder and lightning. And in front of those, that throne is seven burning lamps. There's that seven number again. It appears a lot in this book. But in this case, actually, the text kind of interprets that seven. It says, those seven burning lamps are the seven spirits of God. That's what it says. We'll talk a little more about that next week. Seven burning lamps. And surrounding the throne are 24, two dozen elders, two dozen elders and other thrones that those elders are sitting on with white robes and golden crowns. And in front of the throne, it describes it as being like a sea of glass crystal. Can you imagine that? I, I often wonder if the inspiration for the Crystal Cathedral in California, remember that years ago, <laughs> was drawn from this passage. Perhaps. Perhaps. And the vision continues. Beside the throne are these Four sci-fi-looking creatures. Our text we read today calls them living creatures. But 
it says they're covered with eyes. These four living creatures covered with eyes. And each of them has six wings. And each has a different face. (laughs) How does that make you feel when you imagine that in your mind? And these four creatures then are singing. And they're singing without interruption. They're singing, well, guess what they're singing? They're singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. We just sang about that in one of the opening songs. We're going to sing about it again in a hymn here in a little bit. That's what they're singing. And as they sing, two dozen elders, they they cast their crowns before the throne and they sing their own hymns celebrating God as creator. You are worthy, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. And now we're into chapter 5, and John looks at this gem-like person sitting on the throne, and this figure on the throne holds this scroll, sitting on the throne holding a scroll. Scrolls were kind of like books in those days. (laughs) But this scroll is different than any other scroll. You see, this scroll, it said in this text, you may have noticed, is written on both sides. You see, there's words on the outside of the scroll as well as on the inside of the scroll. It's like the scroll couldn't contain all the information that needed to be in this scroll. It's like saying that. There's so much data. I don't know how many gigabytes of data that would be in today's term. There was more information than could be put on this scroll. And it had seven seals on it. Seven different seals. I have seven pieces of tape on this scroll. Seven. And the scroll contains something that's secret. Nobody knows what's in this scroll. Nobody knows. And then John, he hears this angel cry out loudly. He says, who is worthy to break the seals and open this scroll? And what happens next is dead silence. (laughs) Dead silence. Nobody speaks. Nobody is found able to open the scroll and read it. Nobody in heaven, nobody on earth, nobody under the earth. Nobody is worthy to open the scroll. Verse 3, no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside of it. And then... John starts to weep. He starts to cry. Because no one can look in the scroll. And he weeps bitterly. Why why does John weep? Who cares? What difference does it make? Whether someone can look at this scroll. What difference does that make? 
John weeps over this scroll that no one is worthy to open. You can read a lot of different commentaries about what this scroll John saw contains. No one knows for sure, of course. Some people think it contained all of the Old Testament, all of the past teaching of God. Some people think it contains all of the New Testament as well as the Old Testament, even though the New Testament hadn't really been formulated at this point. It was the past and the future. Some people can think it contained the book of Revelation, the written word of Revelation that John was seeing and experiencing. So many others. But here's what I think, and here's why I think it. (laughs) I think it contained God's will, if you will. God's will and activity in the world, past, present, and future. (laughs) That's what I think. There's reasons why I think that. One reason is that, did you know that human wills at the time this book was written, at the time this vision occurred, in the Roman Empire, a human will, if you wanted to do your last testament and will, it had to have seven seals on it. That's how the Romans knew that it was official. You had seven witnesses who sealed your will. Nowadays we have notaries sign and witnesses sign wills. In those days they had seven seals. I think this scroll contained the will of God. And to open it and to read it means that you had an understanding of God's will and presence and activity in history, that you had the ability to discern the the meaning behind all these events that you never understood before, to carry out the Creator's intention. That's what I think it means. And John, who's struggling with what this scroll means. He weeps. He weeps. Because no one can open it. No one is worthy to know God's will and God's activity in history or in the present or in the future. So John weeps. John's not alone in his tears in this, is he? We too have wept. We've wept many times in our lives over the same kind of thing. When we run straight into those hard times in our life, when we don't know what is God's will, what is God's will in our history, in our present, but mostly in our future, what does the future hold? We weep. We wonder Was God involved in getting us into this mess? And is God going to get us out of this mess? We weep. 
And when we see suffering and injustices throughout the world and blasphemies and terrors both in yesterday's and today's news, and the good doesn't seem to stand a chance of making front-page news in the future, we weep. Then we too, like John, we long so badly to know what's in this scroll because we can't open it. We aren't worthy. We can't open it. We can't see how God's will has been involved in all this and particularly how God is going to take us through it and out of it into the future. And at best, our, our tears, our weeping can turn into eloquent things like psalms, poems, poetry, songs. But more often, we're just filled with grief and sadness, and we mourn. We want to know what's in this scroll. We want to know what God's will is for us as well as the world, don't we? And no one's worthy. But then, verse 5, if you're following along in your Bibles or on your smart devices, one of those elders dressed in a white robe and a golden crown one of that worshiping assembly that was singing, as we talked about, addresses John and addresses us all as well, I believe. One of those elders says, do not weep. Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has triumphed. He's able to open the scroll and its seven seals. And then John looks again and sees the strangest of all strange sights through this tremendous vision. The elder promised him a lion, the lion of Judah. But now what stands before him is a lamb. <laughs> a lamb. Now, not surprisingly, we expect strength and power and triumph from lions, don't we? We don't expect that from a lamb. But as we can see as this story develops, as this vision develops, this is a deliberate switcheroo, if you will. It's a deliberate switch of might and meekness. And it tells us where the true power resides in this universe. It's with the Lamb. <laughs> it's with the Lamb. This is not just any lamb. You see, in the midst of all these amazing creatures and elders, this lamb appears and it's alive, but it has the marks, the slaughter marks. The lamb has been slaughtered, but it's still alive. And it continues to transcend the normal vision or thought process of a lamb and the fact that this lamb has seven horns, seven again, and seven eyes. And symbolically, what I think that means <laughs> is this contains, this lamb has the ultimate power 
the ultimate knowledge, the ultimate vision. And this lamb takes this scroll of God's will in history, past, present, and future. He takes it from the person sitting on the throne, again, presuming that is God. And the response is resounding, isn't it? Oh my gosh, they start singing and praising these amazing creatures, the 24 elders, they fall down and worship, let the praise begin, they strum harps, they fill the air with music, they lift up their golden bowls, which says has incense in them, which is probably the basis of incense and worship in some churches, and they cheer loudly for the lamb, they sing, they praise. The lamb once dead is now alive forever, and the scripture says you are worthy to take the scroll to open its seals because you were slain, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and every language and people and nation. You have made them to a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And then as if we added, needed to add more noise or more volume or more voices to this incredible wall of sound already, the voices of countless angels, it says, come in and they, they start singing even stronger for the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then we're not done. Still more. Jesus, John tells us that the entire universe erupts in song with all the creatures in heaven and on earth under the earth and in the sea bursting into this cosmic chorus to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and power and glory forever and ever and then the four living creatures those amazing creatures covered with all eyes <laughs> said amen and all those 24 elders fell down and worshiped. That's verse 14. And we, as well, when we hear this and understand this, should say, Amen, and bow down and worship. That's our only response, our only legitimate response. Because someone has finally appeared who knows the will of God in history, someone has finally appeared who can understand God's activity in history, who understands what the Creator's plan was throughout history and to eternity, because, well, we, we talked about this before, Jesus was co-creator with God. There's, he's the only one who was capable of understanding that. Someone has finally come to dry our tears, those tears that come whenever we run into the tough times in life, when we don't know God's will in our life history, when we don't know if God is going to take us out of this mess, when we see that suffering and injustice and all those things in the world, someone has to come and dry those tears. The elder promised a lion, but what we get is a lamb slaughtered yet alive. <clears throat> meek yet triumphant because the lamb showed us that the only way we truly triumph is by being loving and meek this lamb that 
triumph by dying on the cross, this lamb that rose from the grave, this lamb that is alive forever and ever. You see, this lamb turns out to be the greatest, most powerful lion of all, stronger than a lion. A lamb deserving of our universal praise because he is worthy. And this is the incredible power of the lamb, you see. This is why the lamb is stronger than a lion. Because the lamb shows us that love is stronger than hate. That forgiveness is stronger than sin. That life is stronger and triumphs over death. And that hope, hope is stronger than despair. Hope is stronger than despair. Even to these people that Revelation was written to who were suffering persecution, hope is stronger than despair. So many times in my life, I have wanted to look inside this scroll. I wanted to just take a peek in there to see where God was and to see where God's going, to see where God was in my life and to see where God is taking me. Oh, I've, I've cried, just like John did. I've wanted to know. Some of you know this story about my life, but soon after I moved to Charlotte, back in that 2001 time period, I did that for my job. I moved, sold my place that I loved and had worked on, moved so I could commute to the Detroit area. Just as soon as I moved, I lost my job. You ever lose your job? It's not a fun experience. I mean, I had a job, but it wasn't nearly as good as a job that I had before the reorganization. Ever been there? I know some of you have. Nothing I did wrong. It's just new governor, new reorganization. I had the least seniority. You know how that works. I lost my job. And I said, Boy, I wish I could peek inside this scroll. I wish I knew where God was taking me. But I couldn't, because I'm not worthy. I had nine different jobs in two years after that. Nine different jobs in two years. You know how hard that is on you and your family? I wanted to look inside this scroll. And I couldn't do it. Where are you taking me? And then, after a couple of years of wondering and weeping and wondering where God was taking me, I had the opportunity to start serving as a pastor where I had moved to. Never would have happened had all that bad stuff not happened in my life. Never would have happened. One of the great joys of my life was being a pastor. 
that was in the scroll. I didn't know it. But I praise God that Jesus Christ knew it and is worthy to open it and proves that he has your best interest at heart, even though you don't think so. Even though you think that whatever you're going through right now is too tough and you want to know what's next and you're wondering if it's going to get worse or if it's going to get better. Know that because he's the lamb, because he was slain, he was willing to give himself up for you. He loves you more than you love yourself. And even though you can't look inside this scroll, know that Jesus Christ can. And Jesus Christ has your best interest in mind. Amen? Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. Help me benedict you by singing with me. Love like your heart is on fire. Live like your dreams all are true. Do what you can for each other. Remembering what he's done for you. Remembering what he's done for you. Go in peace. Christ goes with you. Amen.